Welcome to another episode of This Is My Generation, a podcast full of information for parents in the early years of homeschooling who are seeking clarity and encouragement to get through the uncertainty of homeschooling and build a thriving education for their family. I'm Dr. Melanie Bisson, the founder and owner of Generation, a company transforming education for the six plus million parents now paving their own educational path for their kids, the next generation. We do this through our group coaching program, Harvest, where parents sow seeds of clarity in their vision and goals, reap the fruits that come from being aligned in your approach and programs, stay rooted in empowerment and thrive together in community. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore This Is My Generation. morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are tuning in today. I know these are launching at 6 a.m. Eastern time and everyone's going to get to it at a different time. So, hey, and thanks for putting up with the intro. For those of you who are new, hopefully you could follow along. I know it's sped up a little bit just to be able to add that as an intro and let people know who we are, who I am, what we're doing. So I'm Dr. Mel Bisson. And this is our first monthly Q&A. So I want to do these monthly to kind of address all the questions that come into us the most at Generation through our social media, just through our engagement with our own um, members and Facebook groups and everything to just talk about what we're seeing. And so right now, obviously, it's fall focus. It's go time. We're getting ready. We're leaning in to really doing this if we're in our early years or if this is your first time homeschooling. So that's what most of the questions are sort of focused around for this month of August. And so we're going to get into it because I thought this would be a pretty short episode, but we're going to see uh, how much content we, we really have. So we've got about five or six questions. And the first one that comes up a lot that I actually addressed on one of our next gen workshops is how do I create an amazing homeschool environment my kids will love, right? Like this one comes up so often because creating a homeschool environment that your kids will love is a wonderful goal. It's an admirable goal. It's a normal goal. Like we didn't get into homeschooling to keep our kids in like a dungeon space and dimly lit room, right? So of course, like we're going to hear this the most. And I think like so many other things on social media and the internet in general, like it's just not real life 90% of the time. Like the inspiration and the thing, the things we see is unattainable at best. You know, homeschooling is not about striving for, for, for perfection, excuse me, or like chasing after Pinterest worthy spaces. It's, it's about crafting an environment that's going to support learning and foster curiosity and, and reflects your family's unique dynamics. So this doesn't mean that like we can't have that really beautiful, pretty like Instagram worthy space. If that comes easy to you, like, if it doesn't put you in debt, if it doesn't take away from other financial needs or causes stress or any of those things, like amazing, wonderful. But there's always a but, right? And so first let's talk about expectations because it's so important to let go of any like preconceived notions of what a quote unquote perfect homeschool space should look like. Everyone's family situation is different. That's perfectly okay. Remember, you are not trying to win any design awards or create like a flawless showcase you are creating a space that works for your family's needs and style. Now, practically, practicality really is, plays a huge role. Like you've got to consider your limitations. This is the number one thing I say, because whether it's the size of your living space, your budget, the number of children you're homeschooling, like rather than feeling confined by these factors, you have to think of them as opportunities for creativity. You can discern design. It would be good if I could talk today a learning area that is functional and enjoyable without breaking 
the bank. But that also means you can't, shouldn't, rather, be spending all of the time on that research to to do it on a on a budget, right? Like simple is better. And involving your children in the process can also be incredibly rewarding. Like if we're if the question is like an amazing homeschool environment, my kids will love you got to ask them what it is they love. Like they can share their preferences and even help set up the space. This not only makes them feel like they have a sense of ownership, but it tailors the environment to the things that they love and their tastes, you know, maybe they love bright colors or perhaps they're like fond of cozy corners for reading. Like their input can lead to a space that truly resonates with them. And it should like Josiah was obsessed with finding a chair. Like you guys, I labored over this a little too much, <laughs> like I'm not following my own advice per se, but he wanted a chair that had wheels and had arms. And I wanted a chair that fit his desk, which is um, matching to mine. In my office, like we moved to the futon and I put a desk on the other other side of the wall so that we could like wheel towards each other. And I could like maybe be working on something for work while he was doing, you know, a little online thing or, or whatever it might be, which I know is very unrealistic. But, you know, I, I, I got goals. Um but the chair, like we, we looked everywhere in person to try to measure and really find a fit. You know, I, I looked online, I asked AI, like, you know, what's the best height for a 43 inch kid at a 30 inch desk. And it's like anywhere from 15 to 19 inches, like blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I finally find one on Wayfair. He's excited. But then all he really wanted to do was go to the dollar store and pick out a couple trinkets. Like he found a Paw Patrol tissue box. And you know what that tissue box is now? It's like a paperweight for some of the things that he's making, like bookmarks from, from the little dollar, like Spider-Man, um, like the, just a little kit with the crayons and stuff. Like he's he, he's cutting because he's using his cool new scissors that are in like this cool new holder on his desk. And he's making bookmarks for his co-op friends. But like, that's a space he loves because it's his desk. Like he doesn't care about any of the other stuff around or the thought that I put into it. So like, you have to remember that, yes, there's the physical space, but it's not just about that. It's creating this holistic learning environment and it's incorporating elements that inspire and engage our kids. Like it could be just a wall dedicated to displaying their artwork or a bookshelf filled with their favorite books or a space for hands-on activities and experiments. Like it's very simple, but flexibility is key too. Okay. Because our homeschooling environment can evolve as our children grow and their interests change. So keep the setup adaptable. You might have to rearrange stuff or refresh the space as needed. And you're definitely going to want to keep this in mind if you have younger toddler age siblings like me, who will join the fold officially in another few years. Like I, I needed to keep that in mind with my own like design, but also be sure that Josiah knows like this won't be his show forever. And he's going to have to share the space and we're going to have to adapt. Um, and I think like, if I give you like a little secret that this whole environment question boils down to is that learning happens everywhere. We know this, but do we believe it? It's not confined to a single room. Your kitchen's going to become a science lab, your backyard, a nature exploration zone, and your living room might be a theater for imaginative plays, right? Embrace the riches of the world that, that's all around you, make it an extension of your homeschool environment. And, and that will be an environment that your kids will love because you're embracing your own unique circumstances. You're involving your kids in the process. You're focusing on like functionality over perfection 
and just infusing the space with elements that are sparking joy and curiosity. Like when it's a reflection of your own journey, that it's, that it's easy to grow and adapt like right alongside your kids. And that love, support, and enthusiasm is all you need. Okay, it's all, all you need. So that in a nutshell is the answer to that question because it, it's just, it, I'm passionate about it. You can tell it's so much more than just like the Pinterest and Instagram stuff. So the second one is how do I know I'm teaching them what they need? So absolutely a question that brings up the big feelings of unworthiness and shame of our, of our, of our own knowledge, what we know, right? All, so on and so forth. Like it's a concern that many new homeschooling parents share. It's completely natural, but here's the thing. The beauty of homeschooling lies in the flexibility that it offers. You have the amazing opportunity to tailor your child's education to their unique strengths, interests, and learning preferences. And remember, I always say learning preferences here, not learning style. We get to that later, but now how do you know that you're covering what they need to know? Well, that starts with setting clear goals and expectations. And I will always say that I sound like a broken record on this, but you have to think about what you want your child to learn over a specific period, a semester, a year, longer. Like those goals can be both academic and personal. And if you go back to episode two and review the educational philosophy and homeschool approach and purposes, like it should be tied to that. But there's not a one size fits all answer to this because each state or country might have its own guidelines for what it's considered essential in education. So you might need to take those into account depending on your direction, but don't be afraid to put your own spin on things, right? Like, so if your child is passionate about science, you might delve deeper into that subject and do unit studies for a while, okay? Curriculum plays a role, no doubt, but it's not the be all end all. Like you can definitely use it as a guide, but don't be afraid to supplement or even just deviate from it if you feel like it's not meeting your your kids' needs or your interests, because the cool thing that I, again, I think we all know, but sometimes struggle to really believe inherently and internalize is that learning happens beyond the textbooks. Again, everyday activities like cooking can teach math and science. You can go to a museum to spark history lessons and gardening can introduce biology. Like just the world around us is the classroom now. And again, going back to last episode, like we're transitioning out of that mindset from traditional school so you got to put yourself there. Like life experiences are truly some of the best teachers. And you also have to remember that public school standards exist because of the need to move a large volume of students through those established grade levels in a systematic fashion. So unless you think you might need to or want to enroll your students in traditional school again, like I know a lot of parents want to be able to give their kids that decision come middle school or high school or whatever, then if you're not doing that, then those standards become arbitrary. Right. So, again, reflect on your own education as a child, the knowledge you have now. What did you love? What did you not like? What do you wish you would have done? You know, what do you wish you spent more time learning or studying that impacts you today? And let those questions simmer and then pair it with your educational philosophy, this approach to education that you're building and let that dictate what you teach them. Okay. now we should also talk about assessment because it's not just about tests and grades. Regular conversations with your child will give you great insights into what they're learning and where they might need more focus, right? So you can create projects, presentations, or even involve them in just setting their own learning goals because this not only makes learning engaging, but it helps you gauge their progress, especially if you're in a state where you just need to keep track of that, even if it's loosely. But ultimately, I think this question of how 
how do I know that I'm teaching them what they need is you have to trust yourself. You know your child better than anyone else. 100%. No doubt, you know your kid better. And as you progress, you will build a stronger sense of what's working and what needs adjustments. It's all about adapting, learning together, enjoying the process. You know, and again, we just talked about this in last week's episodes, but it's not about trying to replicate a traditional school. It's about nurturing a love for learning, for curiosity, for critical thinking. And that, my friends, is something that certainly, like, we know we will see it shining when we see it in our kids' eyes. Like, you don't need an evaluation or some other administrator to tell you if something's working when you see your kid lighting up and, like, that aha moment, like, I got it. I mean, it was one of my favorite, favorite things when I was teaching dance. And I teach, like, I mean, I teach lots of styles, but my my most professional training is in tap, like old school hoofing style. And I have this really unique, fun way of teaching um, wings, which are like sort of the, the fancy thing that you always clap for where your feet go out and then come back in like really fast, like, you know, butterfly wings. Um, but there was like nothing more savory than like working at the bar and like laboring this over months. And then just something clicks and they just get it. And they're just doing it over and over. And their face is just like filled with joy. And it's going to be the same thing in homeschooling. Like you're going to see it. You know that they're getting what they need when you feel that. Okay. So am I choosing the right curriculum? I think there's probably a dozen posts about this per day in the majority of the groups that I'm in. Now, this comes down to dozens of factors, dozens. And this was a big revelation during my doctoral research on homeschool decision-making because curriculum plays a very important role. But as you've heard my broken record replies, like it's got to align with your educational philosophy and goals because the rest of the details then do not necessarily matter. So start there. But then I'm going to run through like just this list. I I wrote them all down of when I'm doing an intake with a family for our curriculum matching service that we offer at Generation. So it comes included in the Harvest group coaching program. Uh, But I've also been offering it on the side, kind of in beta mode right now for free. Um, So maybe reach out to me if you're still looking because it it will be charged um, here very soon as I'm becoming more confident in building out the full list. Let me just say that. But um, we'll probably do a deep dive episode on this later, but here's sort of all the questions that you can simmer on and think about that I do an intake on and then sort of pair in like this quiz format. So are you looking for a comprehensive or a supplemental program? What situational factors are playing critical or urgent roles right now? Do you have like other siblings at home, a pending move, a transition from public school? Um, do you have sick family members at home that you're caring for or other needs? Are you working? Are you working inside the home, outside the home? How many hours? Anything like situational like that could, that could shift, um, excuse me, or that just need to like be having a very front and center role. Um, how much do you want to be involved as a parent? Are they at an age where they can sit down independently or will they need you? Like this goes into some of like the teacher manual pieces that I explore with individual curriculum programs. Related to this is how much preparation do you want to do? Like, I'm not the crafty or the costume mom. I don't do the hands-on stuff. I highly value it, but that's why we have co-op days. Now, Generation's fabulous group coach, Dr. Katie, is the opposite. She'll love planning like historical plays 
and all that kind of stuff. And I love hearing about it, but you should know which one you are and be able to answer that as it plays into a factor in choosing the right curriculum. What about the pace? Do you want instructor-led? Do you want it to be self-paced or guided? Do you have a number of days that you need to meet to satisfy state requirements, or are you winging it throughout the year? What about price? Is funding available? Like I myself am still waiting on Florida's PEP, the Personalized Education Program approval, and other states have scholarships or educational savings accounts. So that might come into play. What about accreditation? Does that matter to you? Why or why not? Availability of assessment, evaluations, and tracking progress all come into consideration. Do you need or want it to align to state standards? Again, in that event that your children may enroll in traditional school, you know, it matters if they're keeping in line with like a typical grade or age level. What subjects are taught? Again, back to being fully comprehensive or like just the core language arts, math, science, social studies. Are you adding more things? Does how long they've been established matter to you? The curriculum developer, I mean. Like, is it a new up-and-coming sponsored Google curriculum or is it a tried-and-true like decades long? And what are you looking at in terms of like peer reviews or does it matter? Like ask yourself why or why not to these questions. Um, What about does it address my child's individual learning preferences or any special considerations? Were they on an IEP before and you want to address that? I'll say it again. The worldview of the curriculum developers and the educational approach that they take is important because you want to align it with yours as best as you can. They all allude to it or they do state it clearly. Trust me, it's there somewhere. But the caveat is that you can go through all of these and think you nail it and you get a few months in and something just isn't quite working still because it's not foolproof. The idea is to narrow it to like the top two or three matches that you can then be very confident in, in your choice and defend it and make it easier to troubleshoot rather than just continuing to go through trial and error. Which leads us to our second to last frequently asked question, which is, How do I know what to fix when something isn't working? Okay, so maybe you've gone through this for this curriculum that you chose and you're confident about it and you go through it for a couple months and like something's not jiving. It's a common concern, right? And for planners like me, (laughs) I understand wanting to know how to tackle this because the truth is in homeschooling, like just like in life, some things don't go as smoothly as we would like, right? The key is to approach it with a bit of detective work and a lot of flexibility. So first, take a deep breath. It's okay to hit a roadblock. It's all part of the learning journey. But when you notice something isn't working, I firmly believe like the first step is just to identify exactly what's causing that hiccup, right? Is it a specific subject? It is a a certain teaching method. Maybe it's the timing of your lessons. And after you've reflected a bit, try isolating one thing at a time to troubleshoot the problem first. And I echo this with like chatting with friends on sleep training and stuff because it's, it's like, very similar to like an elimination diet when you're looking for potential allergies. Like you don't want to throw everything out the window and start over because the solution could be so much simpler. You know, usually parents are trying to like adjust bedtimes and adjust nap times and two naps or one nap when really the kid 99% of the time is just overtired and needs to go to bed a half hour early for three days in a row and it corrects the whole thing. And then after you do that, if it's still not working, then you go and adjust something else. So you do one thing at a time. You isolate, excuse me, one thing at a time. So then once you've pinpointed that issue, try to dig a bit deeper. Ask your child for their input. You know, sometimes they can offer insights that we just might miss, or we don't give them enough credit that they truly understand what's not working for them. 
So open up a conversation, see if they're enjoying the material. If it's challenging or too easy, or if there's something about the way that it's being presented that might be causing confusion. And so let's say that it's a particular subject that might be causing trouble, right? So switch up that approach. There are a plethora of teaching resources out there, videos, interactive apps, like even just good old fashioned hands-on activities. So let flexibility be your friend there. Don't hesitate to explore different angles and really just find out what clicks because timing can also play a role. Are you trying to tackle the challenging subjects during a time when their focus like is not at its peak? Maybe you're rearranging your schedule to see if different times of the day work better is all you have to do. Because it's not about fixing everything all at once. Pick one thing to adjust, give it a little time to see if it's making a positive difference, and then evaluate. Because again, that small change can have a huge impact. And I think if there's like one pro tip, it's don't be afraid to take breaks. If something's not working, pushing harder is not always the solution. Especially because we have to keep in mind that we are wrestling a parental authority with a teaching authority. We're, we're going to have a whole deep dive email series and podcast series on that because it was such a huge focus of mine during my doctoral research and what that balance is and how our kids respond to it in different ages and all sorts of stuff. So sometimes stepping away for a day or two and coming back with a fresh perspective works wonders. I mean, think about our own life and our own overwhelm. And so speaking of overwhelm, like I, I, I know that if you're juggling like multiple students and multiple subjects and responsibilities, like it's tough. Okay. Like these things are uh, recommendations and advice and not always like the best real world. I, I, I try to make them very conversational in real world and tell you the things that I'm doing and that our, our members are going to be doing. But this is why like keeping track of your adjustments will be really handy because even if it's just a journal or a digital thing on your phone or whatever that you jot down, like what did you try when you tried it and what did you notice and how it affected your kids' learning experience will be very helpful. And just, guys, don't forget that you're not alone. Okay, reach out to fellow homeschoolers, online forums, local groups. You know, sometimes these groups drive me absolutely batty, but find find your one little niche. Okay, don't go to the 90,000 person group. Go to your local uh, county one, you know, that that is a little bit of a safer place for you to share your challenges and get some valuable insights. And obviously a plug for our Harvest group coaching program where we create that environment and it's it's diverse and it's safe and it's friendly and, and we want you as a founding member, okay? So to sum it up, when something's not working, take a step back, identify the root cause, involve your child, be flexible, make those gradual adjustments and remember it's all about finding what works best for your unique homeschooling adventure because you are the captain of this ship. <laughs> so you've got this. Okay. And then the last one is, uh, the most like practical and straightforward and just, uh, like straight informational, but it's, I keep seeing HSLDA everywhere, right? Everybody's talking about it. Do I need it? And why is the question that comes up? So absolutely very important question that a lot of homeschooling parents have. So let's just dive into this and then we'll be done. Okay. So you've probably noticed HSLDA mentioned a lot in the homeschooling community. It stands for Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And it's an organization that provides legal support and advocacy for homeschooling families. But the big question is, do I need it? Because everybody kind of want to make it seem like you do. And the short answer is it depends. 
<laughs> as always, right? So it can definitely offer very valuable benefits and support, um, but it's going to come down to your own individual circumstances. Okay, so here's how I like to think about it. Uh, four different parts. So you've got legal protection. Okay, one of the main reasons that families consider joining HSLDA is for legal protection because they can provide assistance if you ever encounter like legal challenges related to homeschooling. So this could be issues with state regulations, compulsory attendance laws, or just any other situations where your right to homeschool is being questioned. Um, I have seen this come up oftentimes in divorce situations when one parent wants to homeschool, the other doesn't. And there's a struggle there. So depending on your state laws, they can come in handy in assisting with that. The second would be the state regulation itself. So HSLDA is particularly helpful if you live in a state with strict homeschooling regulations or where it's closely monitored because they can guide you through the legal requirements and help ensure that you are compliant, take out a lot of the guesswork, take out all the he said, she said on the Facebook pages. Because again, you know, oh, well, I didn't have to do that. Like, I've been doing this for three years. Like, it's totally fine. Okay, great. But maybe somebody down the street happened to get the truancy officer that was like, uh-uh, and they did need something. Okay. The third one is advocacy. So HSLDA is very actively involved in advocating for homeschooling rights on a larger scale. Um, here in Florida, they were actually paramount recently in helping to change the language in this new PEP, personalized education loan. So you first apply to the private school scholarship, then you get an email, fill out a form, and this is an additional homeschooling scholarship. And there's still a lot of information going around on the internet about how it's, you know, basically like surrendering your right to homeschool. But HSLDA, got involved and did their advocacy work and got a lot of the language changed um, to protect homeschoolers and school choice rights. And so by becoming a member, you're supporting their efforts to maintain and expand those homeschooling freedoms. So there's that in mind. If you are somebody who, you know, well, hey, maybe I don't actually need this for myself or the state I live in, but I want to continue to support their advocacy work and what they're doing. Because the, the other piece is this sense of security, because by joining, you get that peace of mind, that knowing that you have the legal experts you can turn to if you ever encounter any challenges. Now, the other the other part of this is if you live in a state with homeschooling regulations that are more lenient, or if you feel confident navigating potential issues on your own, you will probably decide it's not for you. I don't have a membership. I decided it's not for me. I'm honestly in a place where, you know, I've been educated about it enough. I've been involved and, I, and I'm in a, a very free school choice state where I, I am not needing it, uh, particularly since, you know, technically my son is five and in kindergarten and for compulsory laws, we don't have to report yet anyways. Um, so remember, they, they offer valuable services. It's a membership based organization. There is a fee. It's a personal decision. It's important to weigh the benefits against, you know, your own specific decision or situation rather. So before you make a decision, just research your state's homeschooling laws and regulations if you don't already know them. Um, HSLDA is a good place to know those, uh, but they're not always the most accurate and updated. So I always say like, go to your state EDU page, go to your district county page. 
but the state should have the, all the information you need. Um, you know, because some states require uh, specific documentation or reporting, and then others have like really minimal requirements. So when once you understand those obligations, it's going to help you determine whether or not you will want an HSLDA membership because it, it just comes down to comfort level and stuff. So, all right, that is it for this month. I kept it under 30 minutes. Uh, maybe not by the time you hear the outro, but um, I'm, wor- I'm going to work on getting these on our Instagram in a highlight. So uh, keep a lookout for that just to keep them front and center. Comment on the podcast. Please rate us. Shoot us an email if you have any questions for the September episode or even if you just want a quick reply. Like I'm honestly here to help and I would love to just reply personally. You're not getting a bot. You're not getting, you know, anybody else. It's just me, Dr. Katie and, and Christian, my VMA. So that's it. I'm here. And until next time, thank you. If this is resonating with you and you want to be free of the uncertainty and overwhelm, then hop on over to thisismygeneration.com and join the waitlist for our harvest program or check out our early bird special. Doors open September 25th. And myself and Dr. Katie Scott are very excited to help parents get out of their head and get in sync with their homeschool vision and plans. Our four-step process of sowing seeds of clarity, reaping the fruits of alignment, staying rooted in empowerment, and thriving in community include all the concrete ways to overcome the common mindset challenges homeschool parents face and move you into a growth mindset that will trade the uncertainty and overwhelm for calm confidence. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast and follow us on Instagram at underscore this is my generation.